Welcome to the Education Unscripted podcast, your favorite podcast channel for unpacking education issues in Nigeria and Africa. This podcast is brought to you by the National Innovation Collaborative for Education, NICE, a community of education innovators working to foster learning and collaboration. Welcome again to another episode of Education Unscripted. Thank you, our listeners, for staying in touch, for sending in your comments, and for listening to our podcast. We have another very interesting guest in our podcast today. She is Basirat, Mrs. Basirat Razak Shwai of the Winford Center for Children and Women. You're welcome, Ma. Thank you. Thank you, Vivian, for having me. Mrs. Basirat Razak Shwaib is a children's author, a social entrepreneur, and a global speaker, advancing the conversation on disability and inclusive education in Nigeria. She's the founder of the Winford Center for Children and Women, a charity supporting children with developmental disabilities in Nigeria, and registered as a United Nations Global Compact Partner Organization. She's also the CEO of the Winford Center International, the premier provider of developmental and learning aids for children with special needs in Nigeria. Basirat is a doctoral student of disability and inclusive education at the University of Cambridge, and she holds multiple degrees with multiple degrees and certifications. She has 16 years multi-sector experience, which cuts across Africa and the UK, covering education, financial services, and non-profit organization management industries. Basirat is the first mansion house scholar in Nigeria. Thank you very much for joining us, Ms. Basirat Razak Shwai. Thank you for having me. Um, would you like to tell us a bit about um, you, something your bio didn't capture, like the work you do at Winford Center and, you know, how the vision for Winford Center was created? Um, so the, the Winford Center for Children and Women was created out of um, a personal experience that I, I had about six years ago. Okay. I, I, I had someone who had just moved to Nigeria at that time and the person has a child with special needs. And I heard the story, you know, of the difficulty they were having to find a school placement for that child. And I thought it was just, you know, a problem of searching properly or something and I offered to help. But on, you know, getting on that journey with them, I realized you know, it, that the problem was much deeper than that. I, I really could not find, at least online, I really could not find, you know, educational um, settings that, that, that were supporting children with special needs in the location that they yeah. were. And I, I started reaching out to people and, you know, got the information that it was, it was a real problem. 
And so I decided I was going to do something about it. I mean, probably because I felt like I was in a position of power because I was living at I was living in England at that time. And yes. I felt like, oh, England is a lot more advanced when it comes to, you know, special needs provision. Maybe yeah. I can channel resources from here to there just to make sure that, you know, um, other children don't have to experience other children and parents don't have to experience similar things and you know I, I was mostly driven by this thing like if this was my child you know what would i have done differently that sort of thing so that mm. really was the story that that, that that was the inspiration behind um starting the way for center for children and women at the center we are focused on creating um, learning and welfare support mm. for, for children who have neurodevelopmental disorders mainly and you know to support their parents to to help bring out the, the best in them. We have a number of initiatives that we run and um, the, the most prominent ones are the um, awareness initiatives and the training okay. initiatives. So for the awareness initiatives, we, we have the Inclusion Starts With Me, which is the book series where we talk to um, children who don't have disabilities about children who have disabilities. And mm. we, do, we do this using, you know, children's books, at the moment, but hopefully, you know, in the future, through some other media or, or through through some other media that that children can easily access. And yes. then we have awareness as well for adults, which we do on our social media platforms and our web pages. And then we have the training for teachers. The the training is not just is not just training; it's sort of training, development, and and building the body of knowledge within that particular area. So we have the training that we carry out for teachers, um, just helping them to understand um, neurodevelopmental disorders and how to support children who present with these disorders in their classrooms. And mm. we also run the Special Education Needs and Inclusion Conference, SENICON, it's an annual conference. It held for the first time last year, and it's going to hold um, before the end of this year again. And that's where we gather um, people who are, who are, should I say, experts and um, thought leaders in this area, stakeholders mainly. So not just yeah. thought leaders. So stakeholders, practitioners, and yeah. and as and as well as parents to come mm. together and just have this conversation about you know what what how best to support um children with with, with disabilities. yes okay thank you very much um um from your years of experience and um it's obvious that you you notice this is something we we lack in Nigeria and you you decided you took it upon yourself to you know be available to provide support so what um 
what specific interventions do you think uh, our education system needs to make it more inclusive? You know, owing to your experience or drawing from your experience in the England and um, your experience in the UK generally and how they have, you know, managed um, how how well they have been doing in running an inclusive society and an inclusive education system. What specific interventions do you think we need in our education system to make it more inclusive? Thank you. <laughs> That's an interesting question. Um, I think I'll, at this point in my journey, I will be cautious, you know, with the kind of response that I give to that particular question. And that's because you made reference to places like England, you know, and the what they have done. I think yeah. I think that was also my mindset when I started, like, oh, England has the gold standard or maybe, you know, other countries have the gold standard for inclusive education and we need to look at what they're doing. What are they doing? We need to do what they're doing. Absolutely, absolutely not. I'll answer the question, but not in reference to what England is doing, because quite frankly, I feel like everyone is on their own journey trying yeah. to figure it out. Okay, yeah. so so now based on our context, that's Nigeria, what do I think needs to be done? So it's or what what's intervention do I think we need? No, this isn't a one intervention problem. Educating children with disabilities, and, and, and I'm going to be using the term disabilities and special needs interchangeably, you know, um, okay. knowing that, you know, you can say special needs sometimes, but ultimately we're talking about children who have disabilities, plus, okay. you know, children who have other maybe needs in that that doesn't quite fall under disabilities. So what are the interventions that I think we need? I don't think there's just one intervention that's needed. In fact, I don't think it's just one, two, three interventions that are needed. It's a very complex problem. And this complex problem means that you're looking at it, first you're trying to understand it, and then you're looking at it from different perspectives, different areas, um, intervention to serve um, this person that will work for that other person. I mean, think about it. Children have different needs. Yes. And to that extent, you can't have a one-size-fits-all intervention and say, yes. this is the one intervention that will address the needs of all, all children who have disabilities. Also, mm. there are so many other factors at play. So you've got you've got religious beliefs, you've got cultural beliefs, you've got all these other things, you know, existing within our society, things that are peculiar to us, um, the socioeconomic factors. So it's not enough. We can't just say what are what is the one intervention or what are the interventions that we need. Personally, I'd say the interventions that we need are the interventions that will help ensure that children's needs are met and that teachers and parents are supported to work with them whilst they are on that journey. 
those yes. are the interventions so it's not to say the intervention is a um go and train teachers the intervention is b provide resources no those those are not i think the interventions will be diverse i don't think it's going to be one i think there will be diverse interventions but whatever number that of interventions that we have i think the interventions that we should be targeting are interventions that will meet the needs of children because ultimately that is what we're trying to do okay thank you very much um you know in our in our previous interviews with other people who have been who are, who are into special needs awareness one thing has become very clear the fact that um even though we have special needs schools and even though we we, we make special needs um approaches that are targeted at children we still have to to build their capacity to integrate into the society and so there there is the need to put them into mainstream schools at some point right so how can our classrooms you know be better improved for learning experience for children for better learning experience for children with both physical and non physical developmental challenges because when why I'm asking this is because you know you, we have in a classroom setting you could find children who have physical disability that are, can be seen you know can be seen from the from um, that are very visual you know and then you have children who have needs that are not um very observable so how can our classrooms be improved to you know create a better learning experience for children regardless of of either physical or non-physical developmental or um special needs challenges okay let me start by correcting you know this misconception that at some point children with disabilities have to be mainstreamed I don't agree to I I don't agree with that you know conception I I don't think I don't think that is it I think children with disabilities should access education the best way for them the best way that they can access education is the way that they should access education now the 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 conversations or the you know there there are different ideas and thoughts about should children be in segregated schools should children sure. be in mainstream schools or or what exactly and and there's there's a big push right there's a big push for children to learn in one inclusive environment so in just this one school that mm. is inclusive and that can cater to um all children and while that sounds brilliant you know theoretically that sounds amazing it it's it, it's it's problematic in practice okay it's problematic okay. in practice for a number of reasons i mean let me give you an example okay you, you have um in contexts like ours in nigeria where maybe in a public school you can have one teacher in a classroom right yes with, uh with looking uh, teaching about 60 children yes okay? in one classroom 
Yes. Already is a large class size for one mm-hmm. person, and within current operations, we're saying, are children even, you know, are they are they getting the best learning experience that they deserve on the current on the on the current arrangements and structures? And without addressing that, we're just saying. Every child should, every child should, every child should. No, I don't think every child must be educated in in, in an inclusive, in, in a mainstream classroom. I think okay. people should access education in the way that is best for them, okay. right? in the way that is best for them, in, in settings that are able to provide that, that are able to cater to their needs. So I think that is one thing that we first need to address. Now, mm. if children are being educated in, you know, segregated settings, it would still bring us back to question of uh, how do we then um, make sure that, you know, that the, they are able to mix with other children at some point? Those are other questions mm. to answer. But just thinking along the lines of children has to be in a mainstream setting mm. to 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 mix with other children without giving due consideration to the quality of learning that they are gaining in that mainstream setting i think is a very restrictive way to to look at that um discourse now having said that um the, the classrooms, there are classrooms that may be able to support children with, with disabilities at the moment, depending on the, um, the type of disability or the level of difficulty that a child is having. How can the classrooms be better um, improved, you know, for learning experience of children with physical and non-physical needs? I think the starting point is to understand the needs of the children you cannot serve a need that you don't understand so the first thing to do if we're thinking of improving our classrooms is to understand the needs that we want to meet in those classrooms and then the next thing would be to involve all the stakeholders in in creating the solutions needed to 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 make um to, to meet the learning needs to, to okay. just go a bit further on that is okay say we start by um, understanding the needs of the children within a, a particular school or within a particular classroom and mm. then who are the stakeholders in that case we're looking at um, the teachers there what do the teachers need to support the children what what are their own needs what um, how can parents be brought in on that journey how can parents yes. be included on that journey how can children who don't have disabilities also and their own families be included in that journey as well because when you talk about inclusion you're thinking of placing children who have disabilities with children who don't have disabilities and you want to encourage you know the coexistence in a meaningful way so to that extent it also matters how to carry all the other people along. So these are all the different variables that we need to consider when we're thinking of how to improve how to improve the classrooms. 
can yes. is it possible you know like the, the way we are today is it currently possible like we wake up tomorrow and then we find out that oh you know um public schools are no longer running um mm. large class sizes those are not mm. things that are going to help happen overnight you know yeah. it's not those are improvements that we expect or that um teaching welfare for instance something that contributes to a teacher's ability to even support any child I'm not talking yeah. now about you know a child who has disability teaching well mm-hmm. they have that going so these are all the factors you know on the line factors that we need to look at together uh, we we um when we're thinking about improving the classroom because the classroom does not exist in isolation right mm-hmm. the classroom yeah. is just it, it is just a space for that space to have meaning it requires the people um that are going to operate within it great thank you very much thank you so much um um beyond beyond schooling you know it's while we do this it's so that um these children can exist independently you know without having to depend on parents or on on their caregivers for such a long time even though they would need their support yes but so they can exist um independently so what do you think or do you think uh um uh, industries are uh, uh workplaces are, are well positioned to absorb um children with special needs or people with special needs Hmm. This 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 particular question is loaded. So when you say our are our industries well positioned to absorb, I'm 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 thinking and I'm asking myself, what exactly does it mean to be well positioned? That's the first thing. And then when we're talking about absorbing, are we just talking about you know, um, just taking in people, just just take them in? Is it they're 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 in within this one question? Uh. like three other questions i'm asking myself are we talking about you know companies capacity to take on or employ people who have disabilities are yes. we looking at their willingness because they're two different things so yeah. it's one thing are they willing that's one thing are they yeah. capable of doing it that's another thing are we also talking about absorbing them just absorbing them into the organization to an organization or absorbing them meaningfully those are two different things so that yeah. one question it you know it can be can be unpacked in into different bits and and we will need to address each one um differently differently now strictly speaking within I, i'll try to touch on you know all of the sub questions that i that I have asked strictly okay. speaking with then you know the the um uh, literature that that we have existing I do I have not seen evidence you know like proper scientific evidence or or proper research that answers any of those questions that we've asked yeah. today all of the sub questions that i have asked i haven't seen you know um i haven't seen those questions researched so so it they 
they are difficult to answer to say based on evidence or based on what we know that notwithstanding what do i think i think based on our knowledge on our current knowledge of disability awareness and inclusion in nigeria and also based on our knowledge of what disability organizations so disabled they're usually called disabled people's organization what we know about what uh, disabled people organizations have said when it comes to employment i think there's a lot that needs to be done in that area currently we cannot say i mean yes there are people that then people with disabilities who are not employed but then again we don't know um the ones that are employed what are they doing what where are they employed in what capacity are they employed given the the accounts that i have seen the sort of annual accounts that i've seen the organizations that i have spoken to even the smaller organizations clearly there's limited awareness and limited representation when it comes to employing people with um, disabilities and i feel like there's a lot that can be done in that area but mm. a bigger picture right yeah. there's, there's, there's a big employment problem you know and and so you've got you've got limited employment spaces and there the, the, there's so many people there's so many people um trying to 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 get into jobs unemployment yeah. rates are going up and so so this are real like economic issues that we're facing you know and so yeah. you can expect that that would also filter down to 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 um people who have who have disabilities now my expectation and my assumption based on all of the things that i have seen and that i know is that people with disabilities are disproportionately affected and therefore there's a lot more that needs to be done within that industry or within you know within the that needs to be done when it comes to employing people with disabilities in order to get more people into meaningful jobs you know meaningful meaningful things for them things that 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 um um they find meaningful not that we think are meaningful for them things that they find meaningful for themselves so there's a lot that i believe needs to be done um in that area yes thank you so much um drawing from your experience at the winford center and the work you do um what would you say is the current state of uh, parents awareness and support in um education for children with disabilities you know children with special needs what what is the support and um, awareness like from parents okay so let me just clarify that question what is the support that parents receive right no parents give oh p- the parents give to children yes parents okay. give and what is the level of awareness that parents have of 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 disabilities oh, yes. okay so based on 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 my knowledge and and my experience at the Wingfoot Center um parents parents knowledge of of differences 
definitely exist. In fact, based on what we know, parents are usually the first, you know, people to 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 notice um, that there are the, the, that that maybe their children are and at the first to notice differences in the way that their children um, are developing. Yes. So to that extent, um, they see the differences. However, um, what do they think the differences are or how do they react to those differences? There's mm -hmm. limited knowledge in terms of, you know, parental experience um, when it comes to to um supporting yeah yeah and for for neurodevelopmental disorders as an example okay mm. as just an example what yes. what we have found is that that there's a huge gap between when parents first notice that that there's a difference in the way their children are developing and when they finally you know um get sort of a diagnosis to say this is um what you're dealing with mm -hmm. and within this lag a number of things a number of factors have been identified you know things like um sometimes maybe parents wish away the differences that they see or they, they hope that it will pass or maybe they're trying to um um solve it and 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 think it's something that 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 would heal and then yes. there's also you know um inability to find the, the 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 information and the support that they need in order yes. to, to to get you know like a formal diagnosis for, mm. for their kids. So a number of things tend to happen so to that extent when you say are parents aware I think um, um, it could be answered in, in, in different ways. They are aware, they, they are aware of the, the differences, I think. Um, but one thing I'm going to say is that area needs, needs to, you know, be, be looked at in more details. It's, it's an okay. area that we need to explore further. What okay. are parents' experiences, again, when I consult, you know, the research that has been done with parents, there's very, very little out there. Like, there's really little out there that has been done with parents of children who have disabilities, talking about their journeys, their experiences, getting the diagnosis and, and all of that. There's very little out there. So, yeah. so but I think that based, based on what I've seen and, and anecdotes, you know, I think that um, parents are willing to support their children, but yes. they constrained in many ways to support the children. That that's mm -hmm. what I have seen because um, I, I, I was at this um, GT Bank annual autism conference as as, as um, a facilitator. I, I think it was okay. about three years ago, and it it's it's the it's the biggest gathering, you know, of 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 autism practitioners and 
and yeah. what they have in in Nigeria it happens annually it's 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 the biggest okay. gathering that that we have and you would see parents there parents who have come all the way from it holds in Lagos but parents mm-hmm. have come all the way from Ogun state parents have come mm-hmm. all the way from your state you know parents have mm-hmm. come from different places just to come and um access practitioners at 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 the consultations that have that that happens after the after after the conference itself so to, to, to that extent you can see um parents willingness you know that 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 they're willing to um to to go you know out of their way or they're willing to find help so now I, I I do understand and I'm saying this with caution that that is only a fraction you know of that's just a small fraction of parents who of children who have disabilities in Nigeria I mean it's by no yeah. means representative but then mm-hmm. again I'm talking based on what I know and definitely not what I don't know so just to put that out there yeah. within the confines of what we know is that you know these parents are willing we've seen parents who are willing now you can hear from different people that you know sometimes parents hide their children parents don't do this parents don't do that those are those are like mixed mixed stories that that we hear so i think parents are willing i i think they're constrained to 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 when it comes to um actually supporting their children and for me to now be able to properly find out what is happening is why my research so i i'm doing my phd at the moment and my research my the focus of my research is um parent perceptions and lived experiences of educating the children with neurodevelopmental disorders in lagos <laughs> So okay. I really want to understand so like I've said before what I'm telling you is based on you know my experience working yeah. at the Winnipeg Center and maybe some of things that I've read but there isn't yeah. enough research you know evidence to say we've done this rigorously and this is what we mm-hmm. found so that mm-hmm. is an area that needs exploration for that exploration and that is why it is the area that I am exploring for the for my research so once i have my results i will let you know what my findings are okay okay thank you so much um um how do you think uh our curriculums you know in nigeria can be better structured to benefit children with disabilities children with special needs it, it, are you of the do you think we should have separate um curriculums targeted at each each um child's um unique unique need so um it's not um i i won't restrict myself to binary answers of yes and no when i look at the curriculum as a combination of of different things you know such as instructional practices assessments and learning experiences that help to shape um a child's physical intellectual mental mm. cultural and even social knowledge then you know in its current state i don't think that the curriculum the way it is now 
adequately supports children who have disabilities. But then mm. again, it, uh, disabilities is such a wide is is yeah. such a wide area. And so when you're saying should we should we do a should should we just split the curriculum and have you know curriculum for special needs children or should we just, that that would be you know that for me that would be synonymous to um without adequately um researching what the impact of that would be okay mm. so we haven't done it we don't know how it will work we haven't piloted it in any way we 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 haven't done any research in that area right and then we just go ahead and say yes um split the curriculum have special needs and that that would be like you know just trying to copy what other people are doing without necessarily thinking if it will be suitable for our context yeah it will be suitable for our context mm. and again when you think of maybe children who who have how children access the curriculum as just one topic so you're looking at curriculum but you're taking just one topic one sub under that and you're mm. looking at how children access curriculum children who have disabilities then you start to ask yourself children who have cognitive disabilities how do they access the curriculum children who do not have cognitive disabilities how are yeah. they as accessing the curriculum yeah. how, what is the benefit that they are deriving from the knowledge that they're currently gaining look these things are multiple layers of questions that mm. need to be answered I think the curriculum the way it is at the moment appears to be a one size fits all arrangement and you know th- hasn't created room you know to accommodate the needs of um people who who learn differently at the moment mm-hmm. I think yes more can be done but again it shouldn't uh, uh, the curriculum shouldn't be a static thing anyway it is something that should constantly be reviewed be revised and um uh, and and be designed based on all the stakeholders the learning mm-hmm. of children so you see mm-hmm. how a lot of things revolve around the needs of the children and mm-hmm. the people who are going to execute you know the this, the the content of the curriculum the, mm-hmm. and then the, the the expectations that we have that the that when you have um used the past uh, past through past through learning using um a particular curriculum with the expectation of the benefits that we're hoping that you would derive from you know learning in a certain way or or learning um certain things so those are things that need to be constantly reviewed um huge emphasis on numeracy and literacy um are those the things that we need to be emphasizing to what extent do we need to be emphasizing them what are the um, um the benefits that we're hoping to derive at at children deriving those be- those have those, those are questions yes, that we need to be asking so you don't answer these questions like uh yes we need a special needs curriculum no we don't need a specific no because mm-hmm. it, it's you have all the layers of things that need to be addressed but the curriculum the way it is i think yes could use a review in terms of um how it serves the needs of children particularly children who have disabilities 
Thank you very much, ma. Thank you so much. Um, lastly, we would like to know um, what's your opinion about, you know, the, the major roadblocks we face, you know, to to assessing inclusive education and how we can circumvent them. So, um, on the face of it, right, there are a known number of issues when it comes to um, practicing inclusive education, particularly for children who have disabilities in Nigeria. You know, some of the known roadblocks that we that that, that we're aware of: um, poverty, poor implementation of policies, lack of resources, poor infrastructure, um, poorly trained teachers. These are all problems that we know. Yeah exist okay and yeah. these problems are not peculiar to us they are not peculiar to us in nigeria okay um yeah there are other countries who are in similar positions just like we are just like we are in yeah. but beyond you know this roadblocks when the thing with when you say how how do we um remove the roadblocks I could yeah. even sit down and say, yeah, train teachers. Yes, because we said teachers are poorly trained and therefore teachers should be trained. But teachers should be trained in what and how? Yes, how should yeah. they be trained? We can say it's poor implementation of policies. So the government has been trying to create, you know, the legal framework for inclusive education, creating this policy, creating that policy. But then again, we find that the policies are not usually implemented. Question is why? Why are they not implemented? How can we improve implementation of those policies? That's another thing that needs to be addressed on its own. Um, uh, when you say um, um, lack of resources, lack of resources, why the lack of resources? There's poverty. How do you address? Is it by creating um, resources that are affordable? Is it by um, addressing poverty as a thing? So, and the, mm -hmm. the, the beautiful thing, or well, the ironic thing. Don't let me say beautiful. The ironic thing is the the way that this this the intersectionality you know of these problems it's that one problem one roadblock is not existing just on its own it, yes. block, you know it, 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 it there's a way it intersects with another mm. roadblock and intersects with another roadblock such that it's it's you you can't look at them in isolation so yes. for us you know in removing the, the the things or the roadblocks that we have identified is understanding how how they intersect you know and how um in solving one we're not we're not possibly creating a problem in another yeah. area and that is for even the known roadblocks there are the possibly roadblocks that we are not aware of and we are not aware of them because we haven't researched them because we haven't um, um tried to learn about them enough so we don't know uh, we don't know enough about them you know yeah. like i said what are the experiences so we know um the poor facilities there but what are children's experiences of, of, of the education that they're receiving at the moment, right? What do we yeah. know about the education they're receiving at the moment? How is this serving them? How is it um, 
affecting you know the chances of you know um, um, getting getting a, a employed or getting a job or 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 being being economically productive what what is happening post education what do we know at the moment there's so mm-hmm. many things that we don't know okay and so yeah. when we try to solve problems from a, a, a position where 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 we are blind right or, or where we yeah. don't know so much we stand the risk of creating solutions that don't work wasting time wasting effort wasting resources yeah. so in removing those roadblocks is to understand how those roadblocks intersect okay and yeah. and, and then you know trying to untangle or or detangle the 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 the, the, the intersection and seeing how solving in one aspect would not necessarily create you know a problem in another area for us but yes we know on the face of it we know of the um of the main problems of um like i listed before for policy implementation lack of resources or infrastructure only uh, trained teachers and all of that 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 need to be addressed thank you so much ma thank you for for taking your time to explain this really i think this like you said the we we really need to take a holistic approach in um resolving these issues So do you have any last words for us? Um so uh, my my last words would be um would just be a word of caution for for people um like myself and and, and for anyone really who who is working within you know the space the space of special needs and special needs provisions or you know it, it's a word of caution particularly the way we um uh, view other contexts with the way we view other people and think that um they have the absolute you know they, they they know everything they know it all when it comes to inclusive education i think it's a, it's a good time for us to look within look yes. within our system look within our society understand our our own realities and mm. look at look at what we can do within the resources with, with within the uh, scope of limited resources that we have what mm. what has been done that um has proven you know to 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 work well work. children we so so uh, stop um being overly focused on you know contexts like the UK and the US mm-hmm. thinking that you know they know it all I think everyone is trying to just find their way on this journey and we should look to create context relevant solutions context relevant policies context relevant mm. things and and user user centered as well that that um takes the needs of the children um mm. into consideration it's not just about um you know ticking a box of saying we are inclusive it's it's not it's not a destination it's 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 a journey it includes inclusion isn't a place like oh yeah this is it i'm there no it's a journey and it's one that requires us to continue to review revise reflect and and make adjustments and and corrections as we go those are my last words for this 
Thank okay. you so much. Thank you so much. Um, we really do appreciate your time. Really do appreciate you coming on the podcast to talk to us about this. And it means a lot to us. And I'm sure our listeners have learned a lot from today's session. Thank you so much, Mrs. Basira. Thank you for having me again. And thank you for the work you do at Winford Center. It's really <laughs> interesting to know. Thank you. So we have come to the end of today's episode of Education Unscripted. Please stay tuned, stay listening, and stay safe. Bye for now. Thank you for listening to this episode of Education Unscripted podcast. Please send us your feedback by sending an email to niceattepcenter.com or connecting with us on Twitter at nice underscore innovate. You could also leave us a voice message on our anchor channel. Till then, stay safe and keep learning. Bye.